G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When's the last time you saw movies celebrating forgiveness? It's more likely we've seen movies where someone is settling a score. Pastor Greg Laurie says that goes against the grain as to what the Bible teaches. In our uptight and angry culture of road rage and cyberbullying and frivolous lawsuits, we prize revenge as a virtue. But that's not what we see in the life of Joseph, because Joseph shows us a better way, the way of forgiveness. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. What catches attention in our culture? those who are brash, outlandish, bigger than life. It usually isn't the smart kid who quietly grows up and discovers some new cell structure or protein particle. No, it's the rock star who trashes a hotel room and punches a photographer. Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to focus on a young man from long ago whose life gave us all an admirable pattern to follow. He's a teenager who changed the world. in a day where we're really looking for real heroes. You know, I just saw that film, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, true story of Desmond Doss. Now that's a hero. A man that risked his life, saved 75 other men. Some even think it may have been as many as 100. That's a hero. But nowadays we throw the word hero around a lot. We use it to describe a sandwich. I'll have a hero sandwich. We use it to describe a video game, Guitar Hero. If you can hit five chords in your electric guitar, you're a guitar hero. If you can sink a ball in a basket, you're a basketball hero or a sports hero. But really, what is a hero? One definition of a hero goes as follows, and I quote, a person who in the face of danger combats adversity through impressive feats of ingenuity, bravery, or strength, often sacrificing his or her own personal concerns for some greater good. That's a good definition of a hero. You know, we're living in a time where we have a lot of celebrities, people who are famous for being famous. Oh, they have more Instagram followers, or they have more friends on Facebook. Yeah, but what have they done? I mean, is it heroic? One person contrasted a hero and a celebrity as follows. The hero is known for achievements, the celebrity for well-knownness. The hero reveals the possibilities of human nature. The celebrity reveals the possibilities of the press and media. Celebrities are people who make news. Heroes are people who make history. Time makes heroes, but dissolves celebrities. We need more heroes. Listen, you can be a hero. You can be a world changer. That's what we're talking about in this series that we're calling World Changers based on Hebrews 11, which is sometimes referred to as the Heroes Hall of Faith. 
And there are some characters that made it in that quite frankly are surprising. Uh, from Lot to Jacob and others. But the young man we're gonna look at now who is related to Jacob, in fact it was his son, is more than a worthy recipient of this award, if you will. In fact, he was just a boy when God revealed to him his future. He was the teenager who changed the world. And I'm talking about Joseph. I mean, you wanna talk about someone overcoming adversity. Joseph, against all odds, uh, faced the worst circumstances imaginable. And as you look at his life, it has all the earmarks of a real page turner. You know, a summer read, a great novel. It's a story of an overindulgent father, a somewhat spoiled son, jealous brothers, an international food crisis, but it's more than that. It's a story that shows the hand of God at work in every scene, ruling and overruling the decisions that people make. And in the end, God builds a hero, he saves a family, and creates a nation that becomes a blessing to all of the earth, the nation Israel. You see, Joseph wasn't just a world changer. Joseph was quite literally a world saver. Because of the decisions he made, uh, thousands of people had their lives changed and saved. Uh, Joseph's story is a classic rags to riches tale as he rises from a complete obscurity, facing constant setbacks to become the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. And you know, the theme of Hebrews 11 is world changers using their faith. You don't just talk about faith, you use your faith. As we've told you, faith is like a muscle, it needs to be put into practice and applied, and he certainly did that. In fact, as we look at some of the other world changers, the heroes of faith, we'll see some of them struggled with doubt. Uh, Abraham certainly had his doubts when he lied about his wife Sarah, saying she was his sister because he was afraid of what would happen to him if he was discovered. Uh, we know that others had momentary lapses of faith, but from the story of Joseph, we cannot find a single shade of doubt. And man, you wanna talk about a guy with little promise. He was a simple shepherd boy, 12 of 13 children. A spoiled young man in some ways, given to visions of grandeur. He didn't seem to really like hard work. Like many teenagers, he liked to sleep. And he had dreams, but in the case of Joseph, these dreams came from God. In fact, in the beginning, Joseph's dreams got him into trouble, but 13 years later, other people's dreams would get him out of trouble. <laughs> and the story of Joseph, we learn how to overcome adversity, how to face envy from others, how to resist sexual temptation, and how to lay hold of and have faith in the promises of God. But the most significant lesson of the life of Joseph is how to forgive those who have hurt you. Oh yes. There's not a better example of forgiveness in all of the Bible except Jesus. He's a sterling example. But apart from our Lord, Joseph shows forgiveness on an epic level. How many of you have been hurt by people in life? Raise your hand, it's okay. <laughs> if you don't raise your hand, I'm wondering, are you human? <laughs> We're all hurt. We've all been taken advantage of. We've all been insulted. Uh, we've all had people wish us ill. But uh, Joseph faced all of that. 
and actually was able to extend forgiveness to his brothers. And what a unique thought that is in our times in which we're living, in our uptight and angry culture of road rage and cyberbullying and frivolous lawsuits. We prize revenge as a virtue. When's the last time you saw a movie celebrating forgiveness? I don't know, but I can tell you the last time you saw a movie celebrating payback because that's a story we like to see, but that's not what we see in the life of Joseph because Joseph shows us a better way, the way of forgiveness. And he was able to say to his brothers later on who had actually sold him into slavery, it was not you that sent me here, but God. As wicked as you guys were and as horrible as your plan was, God was in it and he was ultimately in control. In fact, if Joseph had a theme scripture, it would be this one, Romans 8:28. Let's read it out loud together. All things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Oh, I love that. I hope you've committed that to memory. If you haven't, maybe this would be when you start to. But that is really the theme of his life. Whatever happened, God used it for his glory. I mean, he lived in the strangest family. He was a part of the strangest family, dominated by lying, deceit, immorality, manipulation, even murder. He could have turned out rotten and he could have blamed it on his mom and dad and certainly his brothers. If anyone could have played the victim card, it was Joseph, but he never did. Great to have you with us today on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. And he's presenting a study today on Joseph. He's a teenager who changed the world. There's lots to learn here, so let's continue. Now we're looking at two passages together, Hebrews 11 and Genesis 37. So first let's look at Hebrews 11 verse uh, 22. There's not a lot about Joseph in Hebrews. By faith it says, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So we're introduced to Joseph in Hebrews 11 at the end of his life. Here he is in a foreign country and he didn't want to be buried there. He wanted to be buried in the land of Canaan. He had walked in faith. Now he's dying in faith. Uh, So he wants to go home again. But how did Joseph end up in Egypt to start with? That is where our story begins. Turn over to Genesis 37. I'm gonna read verses two to four from the New Living Translation where we're introduced to Joseph. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things the brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. We'll stop there. So as our story begins, we have Jacob as an older man of favoring one son above the others. Now you would have thought that Jacob would have known it's wrong to show favoritism to one child over another. Why? Because his father favored his brother, Esau, remember? And his mother favored him, and this created a harsh rivalry that continued well into their adult years. So 
If Jacob had learned anything, you think he would have learned, don't favor one child over another. You know, when I buy a gift for one of my grandchildren, my wife always says, you have to buy five. So it seems like a good idea. I'm gonna get this for this grandchild. My wife says, are you ready to buy five? I do the math. No, it's not that nice, really. You know, <laughs> you, know you have to be even, because kids know. They know when they're the favored one, and the siblings know. And sometimes even into the adult years, an adult sibling will say to their brother or sister, you are always mom's favorite, right? Dad loved you more than the rest of us. So really in many ways, Jacob is setting Joseph up for failure, not for success. And we see the same thing happening today. Kids who were always told they were the best when actually they weren't. They got participation trophies for just showing up. Uh, their helicopter parents, as they're sometimes called, hovered over them. The parents drove around with that bumper sticker, my child is an honor student. Do you have one of those stickers on your car? I mean, really? Isn't that kind of bragging a little? Maybe we should have some honest ones. Instead of that, have a sticker that says, my child is an average student with little ambition. You know, just. <laughs> or how about this? My daughter has no rhythm and dance class is a struggle. <laughs> That's honest. All of our kids are not honor students. But in many ways, when you overpraise your kid, and certainly if you praise them at the expense of your other children, you can create this very hotbed of jealousy and rivalry Joseph found himself in. And to make matters worse, dad goes out and gets him a special custom designer coat, a multicolored jacket. The more familiar phrase is King James Version, a coat of many colors, right? What does that mean? It means it was a richly ornamented robe. Now there's more to this than initially meets the eye. One commentator said this was a tunic that was sleeved and it was extended to the ankles. So here's the idea. The brothers would have work clothes on. They'd be in jeans, right? They might have had their sleeves cut out so they would have freedom of movement to work in the fields. Dad gave to Joseph the equivalent of like a tuxedo or or this super cool designer jacket that would have cost a lot of money, which effectively said he did not have to work. The other brothers had to work in the hot sun, but Joseph did not have to work. It'd be like buying your kids clothes at the outlet stores and then taking your favorite child to Yves Saint Laurent on Rodeo Drive. You've heard of Yves Saint Laurent? It's French for too much, cost too much. Um, so he gives them this beautiful garment. They're resentful. Why does he get that? And we don't get that. What's going on? And it was clear that Jacob was planning on giving firstborn status to Joseph. And so Joseph actually threw fuel on the fire himself. Verse two. One day Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things the brothers were doing. <laughs> the word reported here from the Hebrew is snitchito. You've heard of that word? <laughs> Doesn't exist, I made it up. But it's implied. He was snitching on his brothers, he was a rat, he was an informant. Nobody likes a tattletale. Well that's what Joseph was in some ways. He was a tattletale. But having said that, let me also add, he really was a godly man. I mean he really was in every way. And here's the bottom line, if you call out sin, 
and the lives of other people, they're gonna get upset. Sometimes all you have to do is show up as a follower of Jesus and you're just a light in a dark place. It's like maybe for Thanksgiving, you know, some of your family members aren't believers and they're drinking and having fun and catching up on the latest dirty jokes and then you arrive, hey everybody, how's it going? They're all like, <laughs> You didn't say anything. You didn't preach a sermon. You didn't even walk in with the Bible. You just say, hi, how's it going? And they're all like, eh, here we go. Why? because you represent Jesus Christ. Now they have to mind their P's and Q's. Now they have to think about what they're gonna say next. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil, but instead expose them. So that is what Joseph was doing. Maybe he could have been more diplomatic. I'll concede that point, but he was a godly man and he was telling the truth. You know, sometimes this is just a trait of youth. You know when you're young, especially a teenager, you know, you're thinking, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now, man. I know what's going on, you know? And, and you start to form views about different topics. And often it's not nuanced. Often it isn't really completely thought out. But, but you have your views. And, and I remember after I became a Christian at 17, you know, I, I had been so radically changed by Christ that when I ran into Christians who were compromising, it made no sense to me. Because I just lived that life. I'd lived that life they flirt with. I'd done everything they think about and more. And I saw how empty and miserable it was. And I could not understand why a follower of Christ would want to still try to live in two worlds, okay? So I was a little harsh with people. Some told me, man, you were really critical when you were a brand new Christian. I said, I disagree. You're so wrong. No, I'm just, <laughs> but you know how you can be. And I think I lack diplomacy. And when I was a young pastor at about 22, you should have met me. I was just awesome. I really was. <laughs> I had the answer to every question. <laughs> Nothing you could ask me, I wouldn't have an answer to. Every argument, I would try to win the argument. And you know, and if, as time passes, you learn to be a little more graceful. You learn to realize that actually you don't have all the answers. You know, here's the bottom line. If you want to win some, you need to be winsome. some practical lessons today from our study based on the life of Joseph. It's Pastor Greg Laurie's message called The Teenager Who Changed the World from his series World Changers. And we'll continue tomorrow with more of this study on the life of Joseph, the world changer. Hope you can join us same time right here on A New Beginning. copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Search The Teenager Who Changed the World at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.